Hey, hey, hey. I'm Logan. <laughs> yeah, and uh, today we're here to uh, discuss the greatest song of all time. So what do you think? What is, well, I feel like we should explain our trains of thought before we just go out and say the songs. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I have like three, I think mm-hmm. that I, and so two of them, as I've told you, are like instrumental. One of them has lyrics. And I think like the way I thought of it was at first I was like, okay, so like, what's my favorite song, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I thought about that, and you kind of go down this rabbit hole, like my personal favorites. But mm-hmm. I feel like for like a greatest song, it doesn't need to just be, but like objectively, it needs to have been able to like stand the test of time, and like it's like a, I, I don't like I don't even know how to describe it, but like there are certain songs where like it's just boom, you like everyone knows it. Yeah, it's like, you know, this is, like, the real deal. Like, what what were you yeah, when you... Well, it was kind of hard for me at first, because I don't really even have, like, songs. I just, you know, go through phases of, oh, I listen to this, I listen to this. <laughs> but yeah, you songs really just stood out through all of that. And I feel like those would be kind of, like, my starting point. And then from there, I go, well, let's see, what do I feel, you know, is works mm. what with what you said like stands the test of time and all that stuff so yeah because it is like the greatest song of, yeah so know. who knows we could like babylonian like bone feet, <laughs> you know, stuff. yeah just like the mesopotamians really really had boppers that we have never experienced yeah and man you just have to listen to them in person man like oh yeah i mean you gotta trust me man it hits different i'm telling you <laughs> the, <laughs> the uh what's it called the uh, Yellow River Valley. Oh, oh. man. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so, like, my first one that was, like, the obvious choice for me was, mm-hmm. in consideration, Claire de Lune has to be up there. Because I, I feel like if humanity like disappeared, right, and aliens came in like a thousand years, and the only thing that they had to like know we existed was a song, Claire de Lune would be like a pretty perfect song for that, you know? Yeah. So that like personally, I think that is pretty high up on the list. Like it deserves consideration. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And then my second one which was the one with actual lyrics would be elvis presley suspicious mind I mean, like, that is a legendary song. And I feel like, because every other, like, I mean, obviously it has, like, a subject of, like, love and, you know, heartbreak and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, like, I feel like with so many other songs that, like, you could be like, oh, this is a perfect song. Because it's so centralized on, like, one experience, like, let's say, like, love or something, right? Mm -hmm. It, I feel like it kind of bottlenecks itself, where for an all-time kind of song, you can't really have the song be, I went on a date with a girl and she didn't like my car and then we went home and her parents didn't like me. You know, like that doesn't seem like yeah. a timeless, like, I mean, it is a timeless experience, but it doesn't feel over-encapsulating enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my third, I think, would probably be like 
some kind of instrumental track. Um, I forgot. <laughs> the Batman. Um, okay, that's real good. That's real good. <laughs> what are we talking about? Adam West TV show theme? Or... <laughs> <laughs> okay, while I try to remember what that third one was, you want to share yours? Sure. Yeah, I've got a few of them as well. And uh, I think two of yeah two of them have uh, words and two of them are instrumentals. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna go with my first one. It's one of the ones um, that is an instrumental. Is a uh, Dvorak ninth. Oh my gosh! It is. Sorry, you said what? Uh, Dvorak's ninth, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, but um, oh my gosh, it's such an amazing piece. It just starts right out the gate, just boom, and then you know he's got two of just great melody. Ooh. Is it this one? Hmm. Is it this one? I'm trying to think, because I remember like seeing a comment on a YouTube video where it was just like, just a song and uh-huh. like a quote. And it was like, I don't fight for good. I don't fight for evil. I just fight. And that kind of encapsulates the song. Ooh, of- yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Just throw down like, you know, swashbuckling, just fight song. And it's just, Oh my, it's just powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Because I, I feel like with an all-time song, you need, like, strong emotion. But not only that, but strong emotion that, like, anyone could relate to. And, like, yeah. by anyone, I mean, like, anyone. Like, if an alien heard it, like, that would affect them profoundly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. My uh, second instrumental one would probably be the uh, Tannhauser Overture by Wagner. God, mm. oh, it just gives that mm. <laughs> success and just like seeing your plan being carried out and oh my god! No, I mean that's like that's like the song you hear in your head when you're like, r- like writing history. Yeah, or like you're writing like an essay and you know perfectly how it's gonna go, and you you're just like, oh, I know <laughs> just perfect for this topic. Mm-hmm. You that song in your head and you just write that thing like there's no tomorrow oh my <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah it's just beautiful but oh I, um i i did remember the uh the song now the, the, oh, my third one go for it okay so have, have you seen watchmen the movie watchmen uh sadly i can't say that i have okay um do you know who like Doctor Manhattan is just as a character? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So when there's the scene where Doctor Manhattan explains his like rise to godhood, basically, mm-hmm. he um he's like has like this big monologue like explaining like his emotions and like how he feels when he like has all this like power now and he's like like an otherworldly being, and this song. Pruitt Ego and Prophecies. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that song plays, and like a big theme of Dr. Manhattan is time, because, you know, he was like the son of a watch, uh, of a watchmaker. Mm-hmm. And, like, now time stands still for him. He experiences past, present, and future all at once. Mm-hmm. And that song, just, like, the way it's paced, it feels, like, it It feels logical, I guess I could say, mm-hmm. where you can predict pretty much, like, where the, the melody is going to go. Mm-hmm. But not in, like, a bad way where it's, like, oh, this is a boring song. But in a way where it feels satisfying. Because, like, 
you can like feel where it's gonna go and then when it does go there it like hits hard because you're right yeah it's like that sense of like oh i knew this and it just gives you that kind of like rush of like i was right and i feel like that yeah yeah exactly it could add to the song (laughs) yeah like it just feels right yeah and yeah i feel like that's another one where like in like a thousand years if an alien heard that like as they're uncovering our civilization they could like hear that song and like it would match the beats of the song would match up to what they were doing to like see what we were mm-hmm. um what was your third song my third song would probably be uh, the first one that has lyrics on the list would be um deep purple when the deep purple falls over sleepy garden walls and the stars begin to flicker in the sky oh my gosh it's it's <laughs> it oh boy it's just a great song i think i prefer it is, it is. version of it because it's just like it just gives that feeling of you know, you've lost someone and they're always going to be with you. You know, you're always going to love that person. And it's just, mm. you know, it just pulls. And it feels like it's a song that, you know, when you're just sitting at home or something like that and you're all alone, it'll just start to play. And it can kind of like funnel in more nostalgic memories. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's why I'd probably have to say that one. And it does have those, like, aspects of, like, I mean, like, the song, I don't know super well, but, like, it does, like, talk about, like, memory and coming back, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, so, like, then it could also be, like, an of-all-time song where it's, like, it's, like, open-ended where it's, like, we will return again. Like, something will change in the future. Yeah. So, there's my third one, and then my last one. I was thinking about saying it right after you said your third one because it kind of connects so well <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. And Time by Pink Floyd. Picking away the moments that make up a dull day. Oh, I don't yeah. even know how I, th- how I didn't think about that. I'm like, because I love Pink Floyd. Yeah. It, I've just been listening to it on loop and it's just, it kind of just sinks <laughs> it. Yeah. But it's really just a human experience. It's like no other. It is, yeah. You sit and you listen to it and it's like time is fleeting. And it really, yeah, it's hard to describe. It's just. No, yeah, it's like a religious experience. Just that whole album. (laughs) It is. It's even better if you're watching it next to uh, Wizard of Oz and Paul Blart. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. They have that thing where like they seem to match up. Yeah, dark side of the rainbow. <laughs> and then yeah. blood side of the mall, which I saw some guys do on YouTube, and it's insane. <laughs> yeah. No, Christine actually got me Dark Side of the Moon on vinyl for my birthday, so that was, that was super cool. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Dark Side of the Moon, honestly, might be the greatest album of all time. Maybe. I don't know, Kids Bop uh, 15 is pretty <laughs> <laughs> Now that's what I call music. Two thousand twelve was actually uh, is a solid contender. It's the <laughs> the people's music. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, what? Which one of these? I guess seven altogether. Because like, any one of these could serve pretty perfectly. I think. Mm. The question is like, like how do you split the difference? Like, what gives one song just like the smallest edge over another? It's hard because you can't really compare them because they're all their own piece of music and they all have different styles. So it's really hard to be like, oh, <laughs> is much better than the other. Yeah, because it's not like, oh, these are all love songs or something. And it's like, oh, this one has more complex writing or this one talks more about this aspect of emotion or whatever. Because like it's they're so different, but they all kind of embody similar thing. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not apples to apples. Yeah. Um, I mean... (laughs) I guess, not to get too semantic, but I guess then the question is, for you personally, Logan, 
what makes a song good. Ooh. Well, I don't really have the same kind of taste as a lot of people I know. Because, you know, I I listen to a lot of, like, big band music. Okay, just say you're an old man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, like, 89 years old, you know. You know. You're right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, for those who don't know me, I'm just an old man in a young boy's body. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the best way to phrase that. Yeah, okay. you're right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, just to clarify, there is only one person. Yes, driving anything. <laughs> but yeah, 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 go on. So, like, yeah, your tastes are very antiquated. Mm-hmm. So, for me, a lot of music that I like is about nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And for me, is like a really big emotion. It's a really big feeling, and so you know, a lot of songs if they give me that kind of sense of I'm either kind of just thinking about a memory or something like that, or if it's just, I don't know why, but there's like a certain series of notes or not just like, you know, doodle not nothing like that, but it's like <laughs> doodle <laughs> <laughs> Right, 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 right. Sorry. Um, go on. There's like certain notes that are just, you know, super pleasing to my ear. Mm-hmm. And one, I automatically go, okay that that's a song that I can, you know, that I'll be listening to. But, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, it's like, it's weird because if I feel that something connects to me in my past, I'll listen to it a lot. But if I feel like it has no relation to me whatsoever, I'll just leave it, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a lot about my personal experience with life and, and, you know, that really shapes my music taste. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually that's actually really interesting because like when you talk about how like your music taste is shaped more by experience, right? Mm-hmm. I almost kind of think of like the way that like jazz musicians talk about like jazz, Ooh. where like like you know how like a jazz musicians are like no 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 it's not supposed to be like relaxing it's not supposed to be like pleasing it's like a conflict you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I guess like I could totally see it being a thing where if I asked like a jazz musician, what is the greatest song of all time? They would say that it like varies from person to person. Because if you think of a song less of a song, but more of an experience, like with a jazz player where they're like in active conflict and the song is always changing, Mm -hmm. then maybe the song is less about the music that you're making and more about the emotions and the conflict as you push your part of like, you know, if you're, I don't know, playing like the trumpet, you playing your part of the trumpet to like overwhelm the song and sort of capture it and take it as your own yeah. and then like it's that battle between the other musicians mm-hmm. so then in that like in that i guess context the greatest song of all time would just be whatever is like the clash of titans of like jazz which would be like the, the greatest musicians of all time all working together yeah, and it's like almost like, it's almost like in a kung fu movie when like they're fighting, but it's so well choreographed. It looks almost like a dance. Mm-hmm. It's like that, but translated into sound, and that would be like the greatest jazz piece of all time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, with your experience, like I know that's not exactly what you were saying, but mm-hmm. it did kind of remind me of like that kind of mentality when it comes to like certain kinds of music. Yeah, no, you're you're spot on. You, you I mean, yeah, you, you kind of hit the nail. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. And I mean, that nostalgia thing is also great. Because I mean, I I think I share a lot of my same taste with you. Mm-hmm. With like the older stuff. And I think a yeah. large part of that is just like, yeah, when it hits right, it hits hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that little nook in your brain that hasn't been hit in a long time. And it's just, <laughs> once it goes, there's no stopping it, you know? Yeah. It's um, it's almost like... um, It's it's like when you hear a song for the first time, but like it feels like you've heard it before, where mm-hmm. it's like a half-remembered melody, and as it goes on, it kind of clicks in your own head, and you're like, wait, yeah. wait this, feels fam- like, this feels just right. Yeah, that's, that's what I... <laughs> my music right there yeah yeah 
and I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, that's why the nostalgia piece is there. Because, like, you fall upon, like, these older, like, tunes and, like, inflections and just the types of, like, instruments, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely, I think, a large part of what I think is great about, like, a song. Um, but I guess for, like, me personally, what I think would make a song good is just I love like the smoothness of a song you know what I mean (laughs) like just like like I because like there's like some songs where like it's not really my taste you know like Mm -hmm. I'm not really like a heavy heavy metal kind of guy yeah but if if the artist is able to like in the first like few seconds is able to just convey to the listener this is exactly what I'm going for and they get what exactly they're going for perfectly. That's like a that's like a perfect song. I mean, even if it's not my taste, if you establish that this is what you're going for, and yeah. then you achieve that, then like there's not you can't critique that. You can't critique a song that's so subjective. You know mm-hmm. how expectations. It's setting them and then fulfilling them. It's you know the again the human experience. It's setting a goal and achieving it and that probably is why it feels so good is because in your mind you're like oh i need you know i know where this is going and then it just yeah fills it and it's just amazing mm-hmm. i mean it is a lot of like i mean don't get me wrong but there's a lot of songs where like you expect one thing and it just goes in a whole like a whole different direction oh yeah i mean just off the top of my head, Bohemian Rhapsody and Band on the Run, like, start off one way, and then halfway through the song, they're like, alright, let's just kick this up all the way. I think that's kind of what they were going for, though. Oh, you know? yeah, for sure, for sure. So that in itself, kind of, like, Bohemian Rhapsody, oh my gosh, it's one of the, you know, greatest songs out there. And mm-hmm. I feel like the way they do it is they have no expectation whatsoever they don't set an expectation of what the song is going to be like they mm-hmm. you know they of course the name bohemian rhapsody you're gonna think oh this is kind of like a um you know soft piece you know stuff like that like oh am i gonna be listening to you know oh. <laughs> and then they kind of come out with the um the really slow thing so i mean yeah it does have that you're right i mean yeah. their expectation set and then they take it off but is that a good thing, you know? Because you don't want to be sitting there the whole time listening to them doing, you know, choir music with a piano. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay, well, first of all, both of the songs are totally contenders for greatest song of all time. I, I could argue those two. Mm-hmm. But I guess the question is, if you listened to Bohemian Rhapsody for the very first time right now, and you had never been influenced by like anything like it or by it itself, would you like actually like it as a song? And I mean, I think I would. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think without the legacy and without like knowing how, what it is, its reputation and stuff, it would be totally different experience. It would be a different experience, yeah. But but I don't know. I mean, music is just so subjective that it's so difficult to like. You can't boil it down to like the simplest form yeah. or whatever. It's not a science, you know. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> music theory or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like if you were like, oh, what's the greatest meal of all time? It's like that's so subjective, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, like. Some people, you know, they'd be like, oh, it's like a good filet mignon, you know, if humanity disappeared and aliens only got to try one thing we made, this would be like the thing, you know. Then other people are like, hey, man, I just like a (laughs) PB&J. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I like salad, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be like, and, you know, it's like, who am I to say that you're wrong about that? Because, you know, PB&J is still good. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, I guess... I guess the answer to this is the answer to many of these episodes where it's what is the greatest whatever. It's just, I guess it's subjective. Mm-hmm. It's up to Which you. Is the, yeah. Which is the only really right answer, I feel like. 
Yeah. <clears throat> um. So with that being said, then let's just let's just go like wider. Like, I don't know, greatest like artist, greatest album, stuff like that. What Ooh. do you think? Hmm. Oh, that's that's actually tough. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, because there's you know just so much variety. Um. Gosh, I don't know. Wow. Yeah, I'm stumped right now. Is, is there one that you'd rather start off with? Um, you know, I gotta say, like you said before, Dark Side of the Moon, that's an amazing album. You know, that's... Yeah. <laughs> tells a story through all the music. Like, all the songs have their stories on their own, but they connect. And I think that kind of makes it a solid album. And, dude, I love, love the way, like, you're meant to listen to the whole album in one sitting. Because each song, like, leads into the next, like, super smoothly. Exactly. <clears throat> I think, I mean, personally, my winner is just Dark Side of the Moon. There's no competition. <laughs> but if I were to have, like, a runner-up or, like, an honorable mention, mm-hmm. Rumors by Fleetwood Mac, it's, it's pretty far up there. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. Do you have other like albums that like would be contenders at least? Oof. That deserve to be mentioned in that discussion. Um oof. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wow, uh Yeah, I don't know. I'm oof, this is tough. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it is. It's not the greatest album of all time by no means, but my personal favorite after Dark Side of the Moon would have to be The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Ooh, and that was like probably the first album I ever really listened to, like all the way through. And I was like, oh, I love this. <laughs> I can see that from you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Lost oh. for words, huh? Hmm. I'm trying to think of stuff that I'm like, well, I don't want to say like this person's greatest hits album because, you know, that's just like, it's not real. It's lazy. Album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, combination of songs that weren't specifically meant to be put together by the artist. It was, you know, probably the company like, oh, well, we can mash up songs and it'll be it'll be fine, mm-hmm. or like a uh, a co- complete collection album or something like that. Yeah, those I ugh. I feel like those are you know just being like I have to do process of elimination here. You know? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, hmm. Yeah, that I mean, it is a difficult topic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying. To, yeah, I'm trying to think of other like albums that could contend. Do you? I mean, we could move on to the the artist and then come back when you have thought of it, like an album. If you think right. what you want to do, okay. Yeah. Then don't mind me just looking through my record box. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say. Do you want to go first for artist, or shall I? Hmm. Um, I got a couple artists in mind. Okay, yeah, far away. So, I mean, my first one's probably going to be Glenn Miller. Just, oh my gosh, his music is just amazing. You know, you got like Little Brown Jug, In the Mood, Moonlight Serenade. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Just amazing songs. Are we adding in like, uh, you know, people like John Williams and Danny Elf, are we adding them? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if Beethoven counts, they have to count. Yeah, John, (laughs) without a doubt, he's up there. Hans Zimmer would be a great one, too. Yeah. Danny Elfman's good, too, though. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm a, I mean, the Remy music is. (laughs) Yeah. The Remy Spider Man music by Elfman is just great. I mean, that's super iconic stuff. Mm hmm. I think for me, just I guess just to spitball. I think the greatest ones have to be at least in contention. 
you know, the Beatles, and like mm-hmm. Michael Jackson, Elvis. Mm-hmm. Um, Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones, ABBA, David oh, Bowie. How did I not Queen. ABBA? Yeah. <laughs> Queen, you know, David Bowie. Um, what else? Bing Crosby, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Heck, the Sherman Brothers, you know? They, they wrote a bunch yeah. of stuff. They're good, too. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even, like... I guess to some extent Fleetwood Mac, but I, I could argue against it just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Elton John, probably. Would be yeah. A great My, I, I know I talked to you about this, I think, last night. But Taco's <clears> pretty good, <throat> too. <laughs> Taco is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the fact that he's still coming out with stuff is just great, you know? <laughs> and then if you really want to get into modern music, I feel like you have to at least mention people like, you know, Beyonce, Kanye West. I mean, mm-hmm. The weekend, even. Like, just legends of the modern age. Yeah, Eminem, you know? <laughs> yeah, people like them. <laughs> I, mean, they, I mean, like, if they're that iconic, you can't, like... You gotta at least mention them. Yeah, definitely. It's just like, yeah, they're in the running. But if someone told me the greatest musician of all time is Eminem, I'd be like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> you can rhyme orange with banana, but you know, there's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's definitely been, in my book. Go to one of the older uh, groups or guys. Mm-hmm. It's definitely got to go to one, you know, the icons. Chuck Berry would be a good one too. Ooh, Chuck Berry and Elvis Presley are like the the early rock ones. Where I'm like, oh, I mean, we have to think about them. Hmm. I feel like coming back to Wagner for me, he was not the greatest guy, but his music was just phenomenal. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh boy. Let's see who else. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, that's, you know, pretty much just at this point, I feel like I'm just throwing names out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because I don't want to go with one right away because I want to give like all my favorites like a, a moment to shine. Like, oh, yeah, this person's pretty good too. Yeah, you know, like, hey, not to brag, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not to brag on their part, but. Exactly, yeah. Ooh, actually, when when we're done with this, for all your songs, send me like, um, like a I don't know, Spotify playlist like that. Like a, no, like a five ten second like clip of each of your songs, and mm-hmm. then and then I'll put it in. So then I'll, you'll be like, oh, this is the best one, and then I'll play a piece of that for like people that don't actually know what it sounds like. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That that's actually good because we both I think at points of this have just been like, oh, you know, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, that sounds familiar, I think. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> you know what I think we have neglected totally, though? Hmm. Is, like, these are all either instrumental or the lyrics are all in English. Oh. Is there the possibility that we, like, the greatest song is out there, we just haven't heard it because it's in, like, Norwegian or something? <laughs> Bjork. <you know? laughs> Yeah, it's in like, it's in like Urdu, and like we just, you know. Yeah, and we just have never experienced it, you know. And localized culture does affect your taste in music, because like, yeah, you know, if you go like more east, then you get like the sitar and like different instruments and different kinds of pop and stuff. Where like, like it's different than how we enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that is another like level of subjectivity with like music yeah which reminds me of this thing that um there was this uh musician in italy who had been noticing like oh everyone here likes american kind of like pop rock music so Mm -hmm. he's saying gibberish that sounded like english but is like totally no way (laughs) and it was a hit that that's 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 funny yeah i'll send that one (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definitely too. Because it's listening to it, like knowing English, it's like, what is this? 
But it, you, you know, thinking like, oh, if I'd never heard English and all I know is just the kind of sounds that it makes, this sounds right, you know? Yeah, and I mean, not for nothing, but like I've listened to like French songs and stuff where I didn't know any of the words. I just like oh the way it sounded. How could we forget about the French music? Oh my God. Oh, dude, we completely forgot about like Ella Fitzgerald, Count Basie. Um... Yeah. Huh? Edith Piaf. Edith Piaf, yeah. Oh my god. Um, non Louis Armstrong. Oh god, that's that uh, is up there. That's yeah. Going okay. back, I think that's definitely yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, we just forgot. There's too many good people. <laughs> yeah, too many. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you have all of them, and then you think of every other culture song that we have to listen to. Mm-hmm. Like, I know like I'm not German music and stuff like that, where it's like I'll listen to it sometimes. I'll be like, okay, I can get into this, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, or even like, I mean, I'm not gonna say that the greatest music of all time is K-pop, but so I know I'm... that there are people that would say that. Tread lightly. A lot of our, uh, I bet some of our listeners, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'd be willing to die on the rest. Okay, do you think bands like One Direction and NSYNC and like the Backstreet Boys deserve consideration? Because they're good and they're very poppy and they're very popular. Some of the most popular of all time. But <laughs> like, is what they make really the best music of all time? I'm going to upset some people with this, but no. I yeah. Like, my cousin, he loves, I think it's Backstreet Boys. I could be wrong. Will, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry if I got wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, he's like, he loves them. But I I don't see it, you know. I, I, can, I can see where he's coming from. And like, okay, yeah, I get their music is kind of catchy. But personally for me, I just don't, you know, I don't think it's up there. See, for me, I feel like that's a great favorite songs or favorite artists of all time. But when you think about how broad just, like, the human experience is and, like, how much music has been made in, like, thousands of years, mm-hmm. I, I don't think a pop group like that can really, um, I guess, compete yeah i mean i have a difficult time justifying even like legendary songs from the modern age just because because we like as good as they are like as iconic as they become even if it's like came out like early 2000s Mm -hmm. it's just there hasn't been that like time filter like we have people people tend to think of like older songs as like better right Mm mm-hmm and, like, to be honest, that's not really true. It's just because all the old songs you can think of are, like, legendary. And the reason why is because it's been so long that the best ones are the only ones that are still remembered this long after. Exactly. They haven't passed the test of time. They, exactly, uh, yeah. Here, some people might be like, oh, this group is just obsolete. I don't even know why I like them. And then, poof, they're gone from, you know, remembrance. Yeah. I mean, like, I, like I'm sure people would be like, oh, Without me or something like that, I forgot what it's called. Mm-hmm. Like without me, but like Eminem, right? Yeah, I'm sure some people will be like, "Oh, this is like the best song of all time." I'm sure there was like a without me of like the 15th century that was forgotten, and now it's like not the thing anymore. You know? exactly. I mean, you know how many like symphonies that were made that just aren't remembered anymore or aren't documented, so they've been you know forgotten. <clears throat> also, yeah. Like- I feel like that might be part of it <laughs> that the audio documentation of all these songs there's still songs that haven't been documented so nobody knows what they sound like all they know is that they were played mm-hmm. so i remember hearing i don't remember which uh, musician it was but um there was this song i think it was played in italy and there was this composer um more i'm thinking about it, i think it was either mozart or beethoven i could be wrong but okay. he memorized it, went back home, rewrote it, 
you know, just wrote it all down from memory and then played it so people could hear because the only place they could listen to it was like the Vatican or something like that. Oh, wow. That's, I, yeah, I think I've heard of that. Yeah. So without that documentation, it would have just been lost time. And, and nobody would know only, you know, through, oh, I remember when I went to Italy, I heard this song. And it was like beautiful. I don't remember what it sounds like. <laughs> exactly. That's interesting that you bring up like the like the the fact that he memorized it to like spread it out, like mm-hmm. and spread it like to like the people, which is like, does it matter how popular like a song is? You know. Yeah. Like maybe the best song in the world you've never heard, because it's like a family song that someone wrote and like they play it like once a year on like their grandpa's guitar or something yeah or they play it around christmas time on the piano and sing it with family or you know like all those who haven't made it big yet they could have all these little songs that are just amazing yeah yeah and And i think oh go ahead oh no 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 totally go for it and it brings up for me a, a point of what if the greatest song ever written hasn't been written yet i was thinking about that yeah like we've yet to experience it but maybe our children or our grandchildren will yeah and i mean i mean the technology is getting better like more people like you know we joke about it because like so many people are like oh i want to be a soundcloud rapper Mm -hmm. but like really the democratization of music yeah as we kind of reach this more modern era is something that we do have to consider in the future Mm-hmm. And silence falls upon the room. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually thinking, just going back to like what's it called? The um, you know, we we're like, oh, like older songs aren't necessarily better, just like because they're old. Mm-hmm. And I think the advent of like the internet and like digital music it's really proven to me that yeah an old song isn't good just because it's old because a lot of the time now i'll look for music and i'll be like oh this looks promising right mm-hmm. and then i listen to it and i'm like oh this isn't that good yeah like oh <laughs> you know? not what i had in mind and i think it does prove that like oh yeah the old stuff that we're like oh this is so good it's not good because it's old. It's just good because it rose above the rest. Mm-hmm. Over, like, just through time. Like, how many Beatles songs have we not heard? Right? Let they play yeah. Germany and stuff like that. Because they, they did that. You know, how many German Beatles songs were there that we just haven't heard? Yeah, and I mean, not every like Beatles song is a masterpiece you know mm-hmm. there are there are bad Beatles songs yeah it's just there are so many good ones that were like oh they, they are like the greatest which brings up a point with the greatest musicians of is there a certain ratio that <laughs> yeah. defines if a person is a good artist or a bad artist because some people have one hit wonders and you know they remember them just for that and then they say, oh, they were so great. And then mm-hmm. the songs were flops. And then there's people, you know, who have to make hundreds of great songs in order to be remembered as one of the greats. Well, if that's the case, I, mean, I am curious now. Could there be like a Harper Lee kind of thing? Because like Harper Lee only ever wrote like one book in her lifetime. Mm-hmm. And then she's regarded as one of like the best authors of all time. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, just what do you think which would be like a better artist okay one artist who decided i'm gonna write one song and they wrote one song and it was legendary it hit top charts it stayed like number one on the charts for like 10 years or something right Mm -hmm. and then that was their first song that they ever wrote they wrote the one song it like blew up they never wrote a song ever again Mm -hmm. right like that's it that, that's that's their career or an artist who wrote a thousand songs and a hundred of them were really really good like 
those hundred songs also charted to like number one. Mm-hmm. But then the other nine hundred just kind of flopped. Like they were yeah. like all right, they yeah, weren't they... bad, but they were okay. Mediocre melodies, you know. <laughs> yeah, which of those would be better? Because I feel like just looking at it objectively, even if it's not great music, you still put more stuff in the world. And I mean, like everyone has a different taste. So like some people might be like, "Oh, this is awesome." Mm-hmm. And you did make a hundred good songs. But also, if you kind of get this Harper Lee type musician who wrote the one really good song, mm-hmm. can you consider them as the greatest? I was like ooh. somebody I used to know. The greatest. Song. Yeah. I, probably. Well, they ended up writing more songs after that, though. You know, they, they were like one of the groups that made good song and then wrote a bunch of mm-hmm. other ones. But um, <clears throat> I personally would argue that the one who makes the one great song, that's the true one. Because 100% of their music was perfect. 100%. Mm. Whereas the ones that, you know, have like a million songs and only half are good, they have a half of their songs are hits ratio. You know? So yeah. better 100% of their music is great or half of it. And that's how I'm kind of like looking at this approach. And also it adds to the mystery of the person. Like, why did they not write another? Yeah. And so probably up the value of the song. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess to make it a little more complex then. (laughs) Let's say you have your, your, your one musician that like, you know, made the one like perfect song, right? Mm -hmm. Then let's take that musician I described earlier. They made a hundred good songs and 900 okay songs. What if that musician that made a thousand songs started off, their first song was perfect. Their second song, also perfect. Third song. Then it was like, oh, that third song was okay. Because if you think about it like that, if the person that wrote the one perfect song, right? Mm -hmm. If they kept going, they could have been just like the thousand song artist. Yeah. What makes them perfect what makes them perfect and what makes them like so special is like they just quit you know yeah if that if that 900 song person had stopped at song three instead of song two they would have had two perfect songs in a row Mm -hmm. so like is that something to consider like oh is it like really the choice of like oh i decided to stop and then like if they kept going it might have gotten worse like does that matter i feel maybe because I'm not sure, because it depends on the musician, the person themselves, because there's hundreds of reasons why they could have stopped. It could have been, okay, I've contributed what I wanted to this world, and now I feel like I've done what I needed to, and they could have stopped because of that. They Mm could have, oh, I have enough money I can live off of now, I'm going to stop making music. Or it could be, oh, I only wanted, you know, this was just a fun thing, you know, like I've been listening to music all my life and I figured, you know, I want to write a song one day and then left it at that. You know, there's hundreds of reasons and I feel like different reasons could make the musician better. It could add to it. Yeah. Um, Okay. Let's just, I don't know. Would you say that Bohemian Rhapsody is a perfect song? Oh, um, I wouldn't say perfect. And okay. it, it, you know, that's going to upset some people, but I don't think it's a perfect song. There are ways it could have been improved, which I, you know, I, I'm sure I'm not qualified to like. Yeah, you know, you're not a musician. Say, you know, but um, there's ways in my mind that they could have maybe made something flow better or there could have been a hiccup in a part of it, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That kind of chips away and therefore makes it not the perfect song. You know? Yeah. I mean, what is a perfect song? Like, can you give me like an example? It's a little hard. Uh, <laughs> you know, every song someone deems is a perfect song and everyone can critique a different song in a different way. Mm-hmm. But as of now, I can't really think of like a perfect song because if I choose something instrumental, then someone can say, oh, 
but it doesn't have lyrics. And yeah, they... it doesn't convey its emotion properly or something. Exactly. Or someone who, you know, perceives emotion differently could say, oh, I don't like how they did that. And mm-hmm. so the meaning would be lost upon them. And then they deem it not a perfect song. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I only ask about the Bohemian Rhapsody um, example, just because, like, like okay, let's just say that Bohemian Rhapsody was a perfect song, right? Mm-hmm. Queen made it at a time where they were at least semi-established, you know? Like, it wasn't, like, like, they had made songs before that. And they weren't, like, super big, but, like, they had made songs before that. Yeah. And they were good songs, but, you know. Yeah. Like, Super just... Queen, that was <laughs> mash hit. And, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody is, like, a big, bombastic thing. Like, if you're not, if you don't know what to expect, you don't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, It's like a freight train, you know? Exactly. So what I'm saying is, for the one guy, right, let's say, like, the one artist that's, like, made the perfect song and they quit. If that one person, the one perfect song they made was Bohemian Rhapsody, would it go anywhere? Because they were not established as an artist. And they put out this, this song that's just, like, a freight train. With Queen, you're like, oh, they know what they're doing. This freight train has a purpose, and like, whoa, it's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. But with this one guy, or this, you know, one artist that made the one song ever, and then they quit, it's like, I feel like maybe this person didn't know what they were doing, and they just made a thing, and it's like chaotic and messy and doesn't have a like one good tone problem. or anything, you know? Yeah. Does the establishment of an artist, like, of like who they are and how they're known already? does that affect like their quality of music because like in both instances they're both like the same song but in one the artist is developed enough where people kind of trust their musical ability and then the other one i could totally see people brushing off but like a a bohemian rhapsody because they didn't know who it was totally i i feel like it a hundred percent impacts it you know because Again, coming back to the different perception thing, whoever's saying, you know, or whoever's singing it or performing it or whatever, that's going to change people's opinion, you know? Mm-hmm. So if, for example, you have a college dropout who makes a smash hit, some people are only going to see them as a college dropout. Which is a well, great album, by the way, College Dropout by Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, go on. Like musical training, and you know, went to Juilliard and all that stuff. Some people are going to see, oh, this person is a master of their work. No matter, they are technically skilled. Yeah, objectively, could have stolen it from the college dropout, (laughs) or because people perceive them as better. You know. Yeah, I mean, Kurt Cobain, lead singer of Nirvana, was a high school dropout, and Mm -hmm. he ended up, you know, making legendary stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it just has to start somewhere, you know. You it s- does. Yeah. That changes everything. It's everyone has to start somewhere. They have and to you- always experiment. They can't mm-hmm. write perfect on their first try. They gotta come back and and rewrite it, which then begs the question is that song technically their first song Ooh. because it's like not it, if it's like a draft like they had to rewrite it and revise it a bajillion times and you know it's kind of like the ship of theseus argument is the <laughs> song that's been replaced by a complete different thing <laughs> yeah still that first song That is interesting. It's very interesting. I guess, I guess the song is just the sum of its parts, you know, mm-hmm. because you, you can't look at it as this is the 50th draft. And then in comparison, it's like, oh, maybe this should have been better because I think it's a little unfair. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of songs where like, I mean, just Day in the Life, the Beatles, right? Mm-hmm. Like half of it was written by John Lennon and then the other half, he didn't know what to do with it. So Paul McCartney was like, oh, here's a song I have no idea what to do with. So we'll just slap that as the second half. There's no real logic for that. It's just, 
we're gonna do this because mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know what else to do. That song is like that song is one of the most popular songs of the Beatles of all time, even. Mm-hmm. And and it's like yeah, that song was a mishmash of like two kind of failed songs. So I guess like you can only accept that as the sum of its parts because if either one of those halves had come out on their own, they probably would have been kind of lackluster. Yeah. Like, so. uh, well, the song Rocky Raccoon, you know? Yeah. Like, no one really remembers that, but, you know, it was, I feel like maybe if that had been, like, you know, changed in slight ways, could have been better, you know? Or could, yeah, and then, and then there are just, like, songs where, like, they're ahead of their time. We're, like, yeah. looking at it more modern. You're like, oh, that was actually pretty good yeah any octopus garden fans <laughs> <laughs> dude i love octopus's garden for real it's so sad that ringo didn't write more you know and didn't it is dude yeah more anyways should we uh should we wrap this up move on to recommendations and all that uh yeah i think i think so yeah i guess just to, to summarize the best album is Dark Side of the Moon. Everything mm-hmm. else is subjective. <laughs> yeah. We will not be taking arguments. <laughs> um, all right. What do you got? Recommendations. Hmm. So I have a few recommendations. Um, one, if you haven't listened to them yet, go listen to Taco. It's, you know. For, oh, yeah. Go listen to Taco. It's. Some people might not like it because it's kind of got that Euro pop feel, but it's, it's you know, he's great. And, I dig it, yeah. Yeah, and the fact he's still making music is is wonderful, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I gotta recommend listening to Taco. I think for me, I mean, obviously everything that we've said here, <laughs> um, today, obviously you should listen oh. to. Yeah, of, of course, you know. Um, yeah, and I mean, you have, because I'm assuming editing me has put in snippets. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I mean, that obviously, and then um, for me personally, let's see. I've been watching She-Hulk. That's all right so far. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you been watching She-Hulk? I have. I just watched the uh, second episode last night. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. I think, I think up to something though. I, I think you know that news story that uh, showed up. That's I don't want to get too excited because you know there's a lot of things that already are in the universe where it has similarities to it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they maybe could be hinting. You know, you're talking about the the bar fight with the man with the claws. Exactly. Yeah. The uh, because the bar fight that just uh, screams Wolverine to me. Oh, so Wolverine. I mean, Metal Claws doesn't really get more on the nose than that. Yeah, but it worries me because there's already people in the universe that have metal, like, claws, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. example, take the Black Panther suit. It has those claws that come out of it. What do you think is going to be, like, another, like, Ralph Boner situation? Maybe. I can (laughs) see them doing that as, like, a red herring because... The X, you know, the uh, or Fantastic Four is coming out, like end of like what Phase Six, something so like that. Start getting into the whole Wolverine X Men situation. Well, I, I guess they are, you know, they have that new show that's going to come out soon. But you know, I, I don't I know. I think with, as a red herring, I think with She Hulk so far, I've kind of like as they released more and more Marvel Disney Plus shows, you kind of get a feel for what that really means. Mm-hmm. And I'm at a point now where they all kind of feel not the same because, like, they have different tones. Yeah. They all feel so similar that I'm like, I kind of don't want to get my hopes up because I know where it's going, which is basically mm-hmm. the same old, oh, so we're going to, like, do some cool stuff. Um, by, like, episode three and four, I'm going to be kind of bored. Mm-hmm. Um, then the last episode they'll have some kind of big fight with CGI and it will be mildly disappointing because it rewrites some like weird character development and then now it forces you to watch the next movie or something mm-hmm. which is what I'm like, expecting 
it's a formula. They've worked on a formula and they've, I wouldn't say perfected it, but they've got a formula. Oh, yeah. I mean, Marvel's all formulas, man. Yeah. Yeah. Which I will say the only thing. Oh, sorry. Go. I feel like this whole, you know, Disney Plus show thing Uh kind of takes a little bit of fun out of the Marvel Universe because it was originally a cinematic universe, a film universe where everybody could go and watch it in the movie theaters. But now it's become very heavily reliant on TV shows that you have to have a certain subscription to. So you fully... Yeah. And I think the problem with more content in the form of a TV show is it makes the movies feel less special in comparison. Because mm-hmm. like, the, the MCU at its peak was like releasing like one movie a year, you know? Not so even... for a whole so yeah so for a whole year oh. you have to wonder oh well i wonder what's going on with like that universe exactly and then, you know then they bumped it up to two movies a year and then now it's like two sometimes three movies a year plus tv shows it doesn't feel like each chapter is as special anymore you're kind of like oh it's another marvel chapter it feels extremely repetitive yeah and it kind of demotivates you to catch up if you fall behind because you're like oh there's well, so... I don't want to catch up because by the time I catch up, I'm already behind by another whatever now. Exactly. And there's so much that you have to watch. You know, I'm just getting started on this Marvel now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's now. Yeah. She-Hulk is different only because it has my boy Daredevil in it. And the fourth <laughs> wall breaks. I and got... the fourth wall breaks. Those I... are great. You know what I feel like they're going to do? I could be completely wrong. I think I think they're doing a show within a show. Oh, that would, that, be, that would be a twist. Because it's called She-Hulk Attorney at Law. So what if they're making this some kind of like law and order thing? Within well, the- I think like they wanted to imitate that feel, but I don't think that's literally what it is. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Because they've already said She-Hulk Attorney at Law in the show. Which kind of is like, you know, like iced tea or something saying like, oh, <laughs> some real law and order right here. You know, something like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, like roll credits. Some kind of suicide squad? <laughs> yeah, right. Or it's like, what yeah. is this? Are you some sort of Avenger? You know, some... <laughs> what is this? Some kind of Cars 2? <laughs> right. What is this? Oh my gosh, this is a murder on the Orient Express. You know? <laughs> yeah. So that's what I feel it's like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see where it goes. I don't think they'll go fully in that direction. Mm-hmm. I think it'll just be like, oh, this is a cool fourth wall. Because, like, She Hulk in the comics breaks the fourth wall a lot, too. Yeah. So I think they just wanted to bring that to, to television. But that would be interesting. That's an interesting concept. And that, I feel like they've already kind of done that with the Watcher. They yeah, a little bit yeah, because like the Watcher talks directly to the audience. Exactly. And then you get points where, are they trying to put us as the Watcher? Because you know that whole, like, Ultron thing of like I can hear you. Mm-hmm. Is that what they're going for? <laughs> Have some- yeah. Like the Watcher does, or some, or are we supposed to be the Watcher in this case? Yeah, but then, like, if the Watcher's speaking to us, like, what is the context of that? Like, is the Watcher reporting to us, like, as an audience superior to him? And it's like, oh, so the Watcher, the Watcher, and, like, we, we in this context of the Marvel Universe, then are like higher powers of the Watcher, exactly. or is he just like speaking, just to like speak, kind of? Mm-hmm. Is he monologuing, like, you know? You know, when you're home alone and you'll just start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's going on? Or is the watcher writing a really cool screenplay and he's just reading it out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that is the cool part of a multiverse. It's like you can think about things like this and they might be true. Mm-hmm. Because in some some universes, they are. Yeah. And it just depends which multiverse are they going down. Mm-hmm. And talking about which one are they going down? What's the deal with six one six? I I don't like what they're calling the MCU six one six at all. Me too. 
I don't think it should be called one nine 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think they can do better than that rather than just stealing the one from the comics. Because now they break it because as it was, Are the they... comics and the movies can coexist in the same multiverse because they're just different universes. But How... if you're going to ruin it, then... However, know. we know that the universe where they say, oh, this is 616, they have a lot of differences. Like the red light means go. So, uh-huh. at like a flipped universe where they're saying, oh, like a bizarro universe. Like they're, oh, this is not 616, you know, so, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like it's too late for them to go back on it now, though. Because, like, like, the multiverses and, like, the names of the multiverses, they're already confusing as it is. So, if you're going to go back and then re- and be like, oh, we got to rename this, it makes it so much more difficult. Mm-hmm. But I can see them retconning it like that and making oh, it. Oh, I hope they do. Yeah, I can totally see them being like, oh, you were in the numbers are different, you, you know, multiverse. When you heard. <laughs> you, Honestly, you know, I'd, I'd be fine if the MCU was like universe like 208 or, or like 208 or something. Yeah. Or something. Like 2008 actually would be pretty cool because then that's the first, that's when Iron Man 1 came out. Yeah, I can see them doing that as like a call. I, I, I dig that. Or like Stanley's birthday or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Stanley's social security number. (laughs) (laughs) His uh, mother's maiden name, his social security number. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I mean, got anything else to to recommend? I guess, well, I I didn't even say I recommend She-Hulk. I just said it was all right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Watch it if you have time and if you want something for background noise. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I guess. They've already made a lot of self-aware jokes in that show. Like the I'm a I'm a totally different person, literally. <laughs> that, yeah, good old Edward Norton. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so anything else or uh... um if you guys seen it yet, go watch what we do in the shadows. It's such an amazing show. That's right. You did recommend that to me. Yeah, it's so awesome. It it just follows like vampires. It's like a by you know a fake biography. It's a sitcom, and it's just really good. Mm. Oh, I actually watched the movie Nope yesterday, the, oh. the Jordan Peele movie. How was that? It was good. I think if you're going into it, don't think of it like a horror movie because it's not. Just think of it like a thriller with sci-fi elements and horror elements. Because it's not really trying to scare you. Mm-hmm. It, has a, it has a kind of cool, like, metaphor for, like, Hollywood commercialism and fame and stuff, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, like, the greatest movie of all time? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Would I see it again in theaters? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was good, though. Yeah. So, if you have time and you're, like, a Jordan Peele fan, go for it. Yeah. All right. I think that's it for me. Yeah, I think that's it for me. All right, cool. Well, in that case, thank you for listening and goodbye. So long. And thanks for all the fish. (laughs) So sad that it should come to us. (laughs) (laughs) All right, see you, man. See ya.